Long live our Spanish king. Well, if you're actually going to speak Spanish, it's El Rey. But John Rahm, the U.S. Open champion, and you can see it coming. Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. Welcome in on a Saturday, a post-U.S. Open edition on ESPN 106.3, the free ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. Play ESPN 106.3. Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post. He is our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live. He's going to give us a full thorough recap of the U.S. Open and a quick brief look ahead to some of the controversial COVID protocols at the Open Championship when he joins us in about 10 minutes time. But this is the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. I'm Ken Levicka and I am real happy to bring it to you every Saturday here on ESPN 106.3. Let's talk Rom. Let's talk Torrey Pines. Let's talk U.S. Open. Let's talk the third major of the year and let's get to our opening drive and as always it's brought to you by tire kingdom it's the summer savings event at tire kingdom going on now get a mastercard prepaid card for up to 100 dollars when you buy four select tires and get them installed save big on all your brands like bf goodrich continental and more and through the weekend save 70 dollars instantly on michelin tires this is a doesn't happen often deal so if you're in the market for new michelin tires swing by tire kingdom or schedule an appointment online today also the brakes you need good brakes you need dependable braking especially in rainy season down here in south florida if your brakes are squeaking your stopping distance has gotten longer it's probably time for new brakes don't mess around with this it's dangerous make an appointment at tire kingdom for a free brake check today going on now save up to 50 dollars after mail-in rebate when you purchase and install napa brakes and your battery if it seems to be taking longer for your car to start yeah battery could be running out let the experts at tire kingdom give it a check they're going to keep you going stop by schedule an appointment today that's tire kingdom tirekingdom.com schedule an appointment at one of the many locations near you john rom he is the man who is last man standing at tory pines he wins the u.s open and he does so with everybody falling off around him including bryson dechambeau who just collapsed off the face of the planet on sunday once he he hit the back nine. Bryson DeChambeau, that was a done deal. That got ugly. Brooks Kepka unable to once again, even though he's in contention, find the winning shots and find an ability to putt consistently uh, to pull himself to a victory. He hasn't won a major since 2019. Louis Oosthuizen always in the discussion. Still major list though as he fell off on Sunday as well and that left John Rahm, the Spaniard as the U.S. Open champion just two weeks removed from having to withdraw from the Memorial because of a positive COVID test after round three pulled off the course. He had a six-shot lead and a controversial ensued well he should play by himself uh this is a bad look on the pga tour uh the cdc is to blame and credit to john rom because in the lead up to the u.s open any press availability when he was asked about it he said all the right things he didn't blame it 
on anybody else but himself for not being fully vaccinated, for having to continue to subject himself to testing. He also uh, said that, hey, this is this is karma. Uh, perhaps uh, this is going to come back and something good is going to happen to me. And that is what took place at Tory Pines. But a very mature John Rahm, who seemed very appreciative of the fact that he tested out of quarantine and was able to get back and get enough work in before Tory Pines to comfortably take to the tournament. Uh, it, it was just good to see him win, and what a well-deserved win it is. He was briefly number one last year. Uh, he is arguably the most consistent player on the PGA Tour. He is someone who uh, is easily finishing top 10 in each major. He's someone who is easily in contention going into Sunday any tournament that he plays in. He would have won the Memorial. He would have won close to $2 million. And instead... Uh, calamity befell him and he had the mental strength he had the fortitude to bounce back and win the u.s open while everybody else around him on sunday uh just jettisoned themselves away from having an opportunity to win uh this felt preordained it felt like john rahm was going to get this and i'm going to bring this up to sean fairholm but credit to sean uh when him and i talked here on this very show honda classic live in the first week of january and i asked sean to give a uh, a broad preview of what he felt was going to happen in 2021 he made a couple of guarantees and one of them was that john rahm was finally going to win his first career major and that is exactly what happened you've been able to see it coming for a couple of years now he's there just uh, has a a bad hole on the back nine on Sunday and things don't materialize for him but the game has been there he is so consistent Uh, his swing is so flawless uh, and it feels a little bit like uh, what we saw with Dustin Johnson early in his career without the drama John Rahm got his first major uh, did so uh, with us knowing that his trajectory was on the uptick uh, whereas Dustin Johnson, we knew that the sky was the limit for him, but between uh, unintentional grounding of clubs and then uh, missed gimme putts uh, to blow major championships before he finally came through, uh, John Rahm hasn't exactly uh, gone through choke mode. He just wasn't able to see it through, and that's what he did this time around. John Rahm, in my opinion, is the most consistent and right now the best player on the planet. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as the world number one as we head into July. I think that it feels like that's where all of this is headed. Not that that overly matters to him, though it's certainly nice to be able to boast yourself as the world number one. Uh, The U.S. Open Championship is probably going to mean more. He would deserve to hold the world number one golf ranking considering Dustin Johnson, the current world number one, and he has held that for quite some time. Ever since he won the Masters in the fall, uh, he has not really done much since he's got one victory since that time he finally made the cut at a major this year with the u.s open after missing the weekend at the masters as he tried to defend that title in short order uh and the pga championship and so john rom to me like that's the guy that's who everybody's chasing he should be the number one ranked golfer in the world john rom was going to win a major at some point and uh this is is not an unexpected result at Torrey Pines. Then 
There is Bryson DeChambeau, who really showed, unlike Rom, how mentally soft he can be. Of all the talk of the shakes and how big his muscles are and how far he can hit the ball and how smart he is and all the physics that go into golf, Bryson DeChambeau still has major problems getting mushy in pressure situations. And the way that he just threw up the white flag at Torrey Pines, that was very unbecoming of someone who is a face of golf. Uh, he just, as soon as things started going poorly for him, I mean, he might as well have just walked off the course. There was no point in him finishing. He was mentally checked out. He embarrassed himself uh, with a quadruple uh, late in the round on Sunday. There was just no need for it. And so, you know Bryson's going to be Bryson. He is a personality. He is a different human being. That said, you're expecting from a great, someone who is the defending champion, you're expecting uh, him to at least close out with some pride in himself and someone who who you would hope wanted to leave at least a lasting impression that no, I'm I'm not uh, in a a clownish state right now. But if you were at Torrey Pines and you saw Bryson DeChambeau and you saw his body language, saw his behavior, saw his sniping at his caddy, saw his excuse making um, uh, in the post round, all you can think about is how clownish that. Is. It was not a good showing for Bryson DeChambeau. It was actually really sort of sad uh, to, to see his behavior and to see how he conducted himself at Torrey Pines. And then there's Louis Oosthuizen, and this is a man who's just unable to break through, and he's not getting any younger, and you feel badly for Louis Oosthuizen, who once again was in contention on a Sunday within a shot of the lead, and then he had a poor final five holes, and that did him in. As always, sweet things to say on social media for Louis Eustace and how much fun he had at the tournament, how close he was again, uh, and how he's not going to let it bother him. But it's got to be eating him to an extent, um, uh, just a little bit, even if he does like to believe he's even keeled, because he has had so many close calls, and Ustazen has had so many, put himself, and he deserves it, he's put himself in the position to win a major so many times and just has not been able to get the job done. And it's difficult when you have waves of new stars coming through, and uh, you're you're trying to, to show some self-preservation, but the weekend certainly belonged to John Rahm, who is the U.S. Open champion, and you just wonder now what is going to happen. What's next for John Rahm? Is he going to win the Open Championship? Is he going to go on a bit of a run here? Is he going to become the world number one, which I believe he should? Those questions remain to be answered, but John Rahm is going to be the favorite going into the Open Championship, and I don't think that there's any doubt out about that. Uh, before we talk with Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com, I want to uh, discuss the COVID protocols that have been placed forth by the RNA for the upcoming Open Championship. We know we didn't have the Open Championship last year because of the pandemic and insurance policy taken out a decade ago covered all of the lost revenues from uh, the Open Championship not happening, but they're going to do it now and they're going to bring 32,000 fans through the turnstiles, which is larger than anything we've seen at the Masters or the PGA Championship or the U.S. Open. But we're going to see complete lockdown 
lockdown scenarios with these players, even vaccinated players who on the PGA Tour are allowed to go to dinner, allowed to see other players. And largely, uh, this has been done without any positive sneaking through. The vaccines have done their job. Vaccinated players have been rewarded and it's kept them playing. Uh, And uh, the RNA is not taking this approach. Every player is subjected to these protocols, vaccinated or not, which I think is a really poor move based on what we know about the vaccines and based on how effective they are. And I am sympathetic to the fact that the Delta variant has done very large damage to England and surrounding areas. Um, but And the Delta variant is now prominent here in the United States, which is problematic. But the numbers are showing that largely the vaccines are working on the Delta variant. And I, I, don't, I don't get the adjustment, if you're vaccinated, why the RNA is not adopting the same protocol policies as the PGA Tour and those in the states have implicated. There are there uh, there is more than enough evidence to show that what the PGA Tour has been doing is effective and it is the right way to go about things. And Golf Digest has a number of players anonymously speculating that they may not go to the Open Championship because of how tight everything is going to be. If you can't go to restaurants, can't bring your family, can't go see other players off the course, like it's not fun for them. It's not an environment that is conducive to learning uh, and an environment that is conducive to um, a, a golf tournament, a competitive golf tournament. And so if you're Louis Oosthuizen or your John Rahm or your Phil Mickelson, you're going to go over there and you're going to have a completely different experience than what has safely been done in the United States. And uh, the RNA still has some time to change it, but I doubt they're going to back off of it in Golf Digest, again, speculating that perhaps the Open Championship could have some big names big eligible names skip out because of how tight the COVID protocols are. So just pay attention to that. I I, I have a hard time, though, uh, with a tournament that is going to be letting as many fans in as it is, uh, then locking down, completely locking down the players. Uh, it's just a, a weird, different standard to hold the players as opposed to those in the gallery who are going to be coming through. And again, you have a base of evidence uh, about how PGA Tour events and how golf events can be run safely here from what the PGA Tour has done. Let the vaccines do their job. Uh, And uh, locking down everybody is not going to make for a good competitive situation there at the Open Championship. Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. I'm Ken Levicka. This is the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast, and we do it every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. When we return, Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and globalgolfpost.com he is our golf insider and uh, that man is a breadth of knowledge and he will tell us why uh, john rom won the u.s open why uh, uh, bryson dechambeau fell apart why brooks kepka couldn't see it through to the finish line and what's next with golf as we head towards the Open Championship. And we'll give you a leaderboard report from the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. So we have a lot to do on the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast, Honda Classic Live. I'm Ken Levicka. More to come after this on ESPN 106.3 and the free ESPN app. A lot about, you know, kind of bringing golf to its knees in a lot of ways. And he has, like, on occasion. But it's still, you know, he had basically played 
a clean golf tournament. When he had that shot on the par three eighth that almost went in the hole and he, he made birdie there, it looked inevitable that he was going to win. And he just did not have anything on that back nine. And uh, how much would you have paid for that beer, a uh, carton of beer that he ended up next to on the 13th hole for that to be Nicola Ultra? That would have been pretty <laughs> funny. But it was Stella instead. But we could, we could, oh, we could all dream, right? <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, John Rahm's karma uh, right there on full display. I mean, the universe working in fantastic ways. If that was the case, I, I cannot get a feel for Bryson DeChambeau at all because as good as he was at the U.S. Open last year and he had the breakthrough and he was on the upswing I just I don't know where his game is at right now and I don't know what his trajectory is right now he can put up all the Instagram videos he wants of him doing uh, weird bicep curls his form is horrendous by the way and uh, all of his uh, uh, different uh, club changes and swinging away as hard as he can and all of his analytics but I just don't don't know what his game is right now if you're gonna if you're gonna post the 15 minute instagram videos of brian bacon shirtless you're gonna you're gonna get some criticism <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah uh, to me it, his style of what he's what he's doing and how he's going about it i think you'd have to say that it's working given that you know he's won a major he's he's finished pretty close in a couple other majors uh you know he, he's he's won a few other events obviously you know he, he has the ability to, to win golf tournaments and, and how he's going about it is uh you, you know he, he's basically he said it multiple times he's hitting the ball as far as he can he doesn't really care about accuracy off the tee as long as it's within the the corridors of the course um but yeah i, I do think that mentally he's a it's a bit of a uh, rolling the dice situation right we, we don't really know what bryson is going to show up and there there's a lot of complaining to his caddy mm-hmm. a lot of complaining uh, a lot of com- complaining about just the the variables around him and it just does not seem like he is uh, in that kind of mature headspace where you, you can expect him to show up at every single major and have a chance to win right now it's a lot of you know tying for 30th and then you know, being in the top 10 and having a chance to win uh, and kind of alternating those. But if you look at his major record overall, I know a lot of it came before this transformation, but it's not very good. He has he has the win, which is, you know, it's definitely noteworthy, especially how he won. But, you know, he really has not played that well in, in a lot of other majors. So there there is something there to, to watch, to monitor mentally. And uh, I think there are several other players right now that you'd probably put ahead of him uh, when you're looking at majors, uh, especially going ahead to the Open Championship later, uh, next month. Yeah. If you mention Bryson DeChambeau, then you've got to mention Brooks Kepka as well. They're sort of hand-in-hand these days, not literally uh, in no way, shape, or form, but certainly with uh, their off-course rivalry. And once again, Brooks Kepka doing Brooks Kepka things. The Cardinal Newman grad, the Jupiter resident, in contention on a Sunday at a major. What ultimately did him in on Sunday? I was surprised with the way that he finished the golf tournament. Uh, you know, I I thought that he did not have his best stuff the entire week, but he just kind of he did what he always does, and you just mentioned it. He just kind of finds a way to to hang around, right? He, he kind of scratches and claws. He, he has he has hyper focus during major championships, but the way that he finished was just very odd. That that uh, that tee shot on, on the par three sixteenth, hitting it left. Uh, nobody really made par from over there. That was really a horrible miss everyone is making uh par if you just kind of hit in the middle of that green but if you missed the left there was no chance yeah. so that was that was a bad bogey and then the way that he came in on 18 
you know, uh, hitting that, hitting it in the bunker on the, and not being able to get up and down and make birdie. I thought, you know, in retrospect, if he if he comes in and can get to five under, which was very realistic, I, I think it's a completely different golf tournament. I think it affects Rom. I think it affects Ustazen. Uh, I I really was was kind of disappointed with the way that he finished because when he made that birdie on on 15, everyone was thinking here it is he he's kind of he's finally come back uh, to have a, a big moment late in the major championship really the first time since the 20, 2019 PGA Championship at Bethpage and uh, and he faltered and I think that's you know that seed of doubt he's had recently in final rounds of majors I think it only grows from here it's going to be very interesting to see how he how he kind of handles this moving forward uh i think that golf is in the midst of really squandering the dechambeau kepka rivalry and i think i know where you stand on this and i think we're on the same page like unless it starts to materialize on the course i'm just about done with it even if brooks kepka is going to give us little tiny bits and pieces like he did this week about the origins of it where he says dechambeau went back on a promise and that's where uh this bad blood started i i i'm not interested in it anymore unless it starts to become an on course they can go head to head and they're actually both in contention and battling for something the u.s open blew it not having them as part of uh an opening grouping uh on thursday and friday i'm just kind of ready for the constant questions about it to go away yeah it feels very high school to me at this point even when Bryson kind of jumped uh, and did his little photo bombing during the during uh, one of Brooks's U.S. Open uh, press conferences. I, I just it, it kind of feels like both of them are are not very mature people, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's kind of where we're at right now. I I thought you know they should have leaned into it a little bit earlier, but uh, I thought that would have helped the matter more than more than hurt it. But now that it's kind of lingered over the past couple of weeks and nothing's really happening, and it just kind of seems like. You know, even reporters asking in press conferences, trying to stir things up. It just kind of seems not very organic at this point. Yep. So uh, maybe, maybe something will happen down the road that changes that. But for right now, it just kind of seems uh, like it's a little stale at the moment. I don't really have a question with this. It's more of a statement. Poor Louis Oosthuizen. Like that, you begin to wonder if this is ever going to happen for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw a list of uh, top two finishes in major championships. So, you know, either having won or, or finished runner-up. And, uh, you know, Louie being, you know, at seven with, uh, I think, I think you know, right in the category of Rory and Jordan Spieth and, and all these other, you know, Kepka and all these other guys, and only having one major championship victory, very, very difficult to swallow. I, I know a lot has been made about his decision to, to lay up on 18 and, and also the, the poor tee shot on 17 that really kind of, uh, you know, led to his bogey there and led, led to him having to make Eagle on 18. I thought he played really well for the entire term, but he, he was, he was really kind of masking a lot of his problems with putting. Uh, he yeah. had a fantastic putting week that kind of saved a lot of uh, what else was going on. Did not really hit the ball. Great. Uh, but yeah, no, I, on 18, in my opinion, you have to get try to get in that green side bunker. Try to do something. Just get that ball up around kind of the right front part of the green. Maybe uh, probably could not have hit the green from there. But you're you're. I mean, it's a hail mary to try to try to you know sink a a 70 yard wet shot. Uh, that that was never really going to happen. You have a lot better chance of holding a bunker shot or doing something. Uh, he does not need the money, so there is no reason to protect it for for that for that sake uh just very hard hard to see hard hard to watch him go through that every single major it seems like he elevates his game you have to respect that but i don't know if uh, he really has that mental fortitude to uh to 
be able to close one of these one of these things out because he, he had that two shot lead going going to eleven, and uh, he he played some some pretty good golf down down the stretch until until the end. But uh, he's he's just not in a place right now that it seems like he's ever going to win one of these. And the tough part is if he was just sort of a a, a, a jerk, you'd uh, say, ah, oh, well, that's who's taste and just doesn't have it. But he's so damn likable, and uh, the fact that he keeps coming up short like that that makes that whole thing hurt even more. Um, it, it's it's the bridesmaid thing. Uh, never a bride, always a bridesmaid. And that's exactly what's happened with Louis Oosthuizen. And Sean Fairholm, Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com. Read all of his work there. And we are recapping the U.S. Open here on Honda Classic Live. Uh, late on Sunday, we saw uh, a shot, an errant shot, hit off a cart path and then get lodged in between two branches of a tree. Um, uh, I want to ask you, you and your junior days here in South Florida, throughout the state of Florida, your NC State days. What was the most ridiculous lie that you had on an errant shot? Palm trees eat golf balls. I want everyone <laughs> to remember that. It, it, it's very true. I don't know what it what it is about. I know that was that in Mackenzie Hughes's case, that was not a palm tree. But for for all of us in Florida, I mean, if you hit a golf ball into a palm tree, it just seems like for some reason the way that a palm tree is constructed, <laughs> it, it just eats it up. And that, that has happened to me. I, I want to say two or three times during during a tournament, which you would think that that is. Uh, a high number of times for that to happen, but it, it is true. It just, uh, for whatever reason, uh, palm trees just seem to uh, gobble up golf balls. And I, I think people think, oh, you know, trees are are mostly air when you actually think about them. But it's it's very easy to get a golf ball stuck in a tree. Yes, yeah. it's, it's that one was really crazy though for for Hughes though because it it hit the cart path and then bounced up and then lodged in the tree, which I don't think I've seen no. that happen as much. But yeah, I, I would say multiple times into a, into a palm tree uh if you can't identify the golf ball it's officially deemed as lost so you need a pair of binoculars you need some way to uh to identify it and climbing a palm tree not very easy as we all know <laughs> yeah yeah what's funny about palm trees they're deceptive because we get a hurricane roll through here and they're the first things to hit the ground but those palm fronds are no joke i i can totally see it because they have the weight to to hold the ball up uh that is uh that is good sound advice for all of you young golfers listening here and even those who go hack it around on a weekend palm trees do absolutely eat golf balls and uh sean fairholm and many others have experienced it firsthand uh down here uh, i want to talk about the open championship because now we're a couple of weeks out from that and uh, they have just unveiled the covid protocols and they are strict uh so much so that it advises uh, player uh, advises against players going to see other players you can't dine in public uh you can't really go out in public you're subjected to a lot of tests incoming uh outgoing before rounds also there is no ease in protocols for vaccinated players which is something that the pga tour made sure was part of their covid protocols and the two major in the state so far so much so that golf digest is reporting there are some players that are saying man i don't even know if it's worth it to play in the open championship uh what do you think uh, of this and does the the open championship have a bit of an issue here i just have a hard time reconciling the fact that there are going to be thirty-two thousand fans at, at this tournament yeah. which is a lot which is you know more than what we've seen yeah. in the U.S. For, for major championships, and the players are going to 
have these strict protocols where they, they can't have their families travel and, and watch this golf tournament with them in person. Uh, you know, that scene that we had with John Rahm with his wife, Kelly, and, and his baby, Keppa, uh, that, that that would not be possible at, at the Open Championship. It's it's very odd to me. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert in terms of uh, some of the government regulations that are making this uh, a, a possibility, that are, that are making this a reality uh, that at Royal St. George's next month. But if I'm a player, I'm thinking – all these golf tournaments have been have been going on really without a hitch for the most part. Why are we you mm-hmm. know, suddenly changing these protocols to, to be so strict? It doesn't really make that much sense. And the Open Championship, arguably the most famous golf tournament in the world, guys are probably going to end up going and kind of biting the bullet. But I would agree with a lot of the players who are upset about this. I don't really see how it makes sense at this point. Like I, I see uh, the, the non-vaccinated players. Like I get it. I, I totally understand it. But again, the, the reward that vaccinated players across all sports have gotten here, and it's largely uh, been a success, especially golf. And so I just... I know things are different in in England, and uh, I obviously am sensitive to that. But uh, this seems like overkill to a point where it might end up being uh, a, a bit of a problem for the Open Championship. And there's still a couple of weeks uh, to see how everything unfolds here. Uh, great recap, as always, of uh, a major championship. And we're going to be doing it in a couple of weeks with the Open Championship. Sean Fairholm, read all of his work at GlobalGolfPost.com. Just really superb stuff. Again, that's that's globalgolfpost.com. Sean Fairholm, our golf insider. Sean, thanks for the great stuff as always. We'll talk to you next Saturday, okay? All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. More Honda Classic Live coming up after this, including a leaderboard check. I'm Ken Levick, Honda Classic Live, ESPN. After the excitement of the U.S. Open, the Travelers Championship is where the PGA Tour finds itself. Welcome back in to Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. I am Ken Levick, and hey, if you miss any part of Honda Classic Live, uh, then make sure to subscribe to the Honda Classic Live podcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can subscribe to it, get it right to your phone. If you missed it on a Saturday morning, well, maybe when you're on the course later in the day Saturday, when you're in the cart going from shot to shot, hole to hole, you uh, listen in and uh, find out what you missed. Again, Honda Classic Live podcast, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's go through the Travelers Championship leaderboard and the final group going into Saturday will tee off at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Pretty attractive top of the leaderboard. Jason Day at 9-under. He is your solo leader with Bubba Watson right behind him at 8-under. It has been an adventure for Bubba Watson this weekend at the Travelers. Uh, on Thursday, he hit a drive, snapped his club in half, his driver in half, still bombed it, and made birdie. Uh, that's the type of weekend it's been to this point for Bubba Watson, and he'll head into Saturday just one shot off the lead. Russell Henley, Kevin Kisner, they are just two shots off the pace at seven under par, as is Justin Rose. Uh, Ian Poulter at six under. It's been a good first couple of days for Ian Poulter, a 68 Thursday, a 66 on Friday. For the veteran Englishman, Patrick Catlay at six under par as well. Charlie Hoffman comes in at five under, still very much in it. Just four shots off the lead. Mark Leishman at five under par as well. Stuart Sink, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed 
all at five under par. DeChambeau and Reed uh, in that five under grouping, uh, but they will not be playing together. It'll be Sink and DeChambeau at 11.35 Eastern time. Uh, they'll be teeing off at the Travelers Championship. Reed will have Kevin Chappell uh, at five under par. Brooks Kepka, Cardinal Newman grad and Jupiter resident. He is at four under, five shots off the lead, uh, and he'll get going uh, just about an hour from now. Uh, 10.45 Eastern time to be exact. So Brooks Kepka, he hasn't played particularly well, but he's been able to grind his way to a 69 and a 67 in the opening two rounds, and he is very much in the discussion. Zach Johnson at four under at the Travelers Championship. Kevin Na at three under par. And uh, as we head down the leaderboard, Phil Mickelson at two under par, Paul Casey at two under par. They have already teed off. They are about three holes in. Dustin Johnson has already teed off as well also at two under par. So DJ continues to play sort of disappointing average golf. We have yet to see him really, truly get going. And he just barely made the cut, did Dustin Johnson. Phil Mickelson, Paul Casey also barely making the cut and the cut line did sit at one under par. And Brent Snedeker does not make the weekend here at the Travelers Championship. Uh, Keegan Bradley, Jupiter resident, nope, nothing going. He's unable to move into the weekend. Max Homa, he continues to really struggle, as does Rory Sabatini. Uh, disappointing if you head down this cut list here. Uh, Tony Finau has been fighting it big time, and uh, he has not been really a factor uh, at any point throughout the course of the year. Finau misses the cut by plenty. Jupiter resident Brooks Kepka's brother, Chase Kepka, uh, doesn't make the cut by a couple of shots. Uh, Ricky Fowler, when you think he's starting to make some headway and get some game back, well, he just bombs out of this tournament. The Jupiter resident, four over in his two days, and so it's back to square one for the struggling Ricky Fowler, Matthew Wolf, much made of his revelation that he's been battling some uh, mental health issues. He started to play much better. Looked like he was turning it around like uh, we saw with Ricky Fowler, but Back to square one again. Really not a good two days of the Travelers Championship. 76 was able to, uh, on Thursday, was able to put together a 69 on Friday, but that was that. Uh, and Matthew Wolf is done for the weekend by a good bit. And that is your Travelers Championship leaderboard next week here on Honda Classic Live. Sean Fairholm at Global Golf Post and myself will recap who came out on top at the Travelers? Will it be Jason Day? Will it be Bubba Watson? Perhaps it's going to be Justin Rose. Maybe, just maybe, we're going to see a big run from the back in Bryson DeChambeau or Brooks Kepka will make a run to the top of the leaderboard. But we'll talk about it next week here on Honda Classic Live. I'm Ken Lavica, Joe Rigotti running things on this Saturday. When we return, uh, talked about it a bit with Sean Fairhome, but uh, the, quote, biggest rivalry in golf is really just sort of all makeup and no substance. We'll discuss it next. I'm Ken Lavica, Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. And 106.3. 
a lot going on the next couple of weeks. You've got the Travelers this weekend, and then we're going to start really hitting the home stretch for the Open Championship. And as we've discussed multiple times today, are there going to be prominent players that pull out because of the very stringent COVID-19 protocols? There is a lot still to come and a lot of story to write here in the lead-in to the Open Championship returning after a one-year absence. I'm Ken Levicka. This is Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app. And don't forget, you can also listen on your smart speaker. All you have to do is say, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, hey, Google Play. ESPN 106.3 and be forceful with it because we are anticipating the uh, robot takeover and so you want to make sure that uh, your technology respects you around the house or the office. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. This has been fun for the last several weeks. The rivalry, the frustration of Kepka at the PGA Championship with Bryson DeChambeau just being Bryson, annoying. Bryson DeChambeau then video bombing Brooks Kepka at the U.S. Open. Some words exchanged back and forth. They don't like one another. Uh, this is documented. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau right after the PGA Championship. Uh, at the memorial, having fans who were yelling, go Brooksy, Adam, uh, removed from the grounds, which was a total punk move by Bryson DeChambeau. That turned into a marking an opportunity with Brooks Kepka and Heineken, where he was offering uh, Heineken to uh, patrons who may have been kicked out of the memorial because they were taunting Bryson DeChambeau. So all in all, uh, it's had its fun, but it also has completely run its course. Uh, that's that's it. Until there's actually something that comes to fruition during play on the course, like, I'm just sort of done with it because it's coming off now. It's just juvenile. They're just sniping at one another. Um, they have not gone head-to-head. The U.S. Open absolutely blew it. The USGA absolutely blew it, not putting them in a grouping on Thursday and Friday. They were briefly in contention together over the weekend at Torrey Pines, and then that fell apart. Everybody fell apart except for John Rahm. So until they actually go head-to-head on the course, I'm done with the rivalry because what it's turned into now is it is turned into a situation where they just come off as bratty high schoolers now. There, there's no reason for it, and it's not doing golf any good any longer. And so what we're seeing is just to try and stoke the flames of this and just to try to get another 10 inches of article material out of it, you're having reporters, you're having media continue to bring up, Brooks, why don't you like Bryson? Bryson, why don't you like Brooks? And Brooks Kepka fed him this week. He, he fed the media beast and uh, gave a little bit of the origin story uh, about why they don't like one another, uh, or at least how it started. Brooks Kepka saying that Bryson DeChambeau went back on a promise, went back on a guarantee, and he has no respect for him after that happened. All right, great. But Brooks doesn't have to do this. We don't need any more of this. I just just take it to the course. Because, uh, uh, again, like we're, we're starting to get to a, a, a point with this where it, it's going to be like the media trying to intercept uh, notes written on loose leaf paper that were passing from desk to desk in the classroom. Like this is this is so high school. This is so needless. Now it was fun at first, 
and we said, hey, golf needs this. You need a rivalry. But it's one thing to just like bicker off the course. It's another thing to actually go head to head and have dislike for one another because there's a competitive aspect involved. There's nothing to do with the competition with this. And this has everything to do with both guys just being completely petty. There's a time and a place for that, but it also needs to be fleeting. It can't be a long-term deal. Like Tiger and Phil, there was genuine bad blood there that has dissipated, but it's because it largely stemmed from uh, Phil trying to get out of the shadow of Tiger because Tiger won every head-to-head battle because Tiger was winning. Neither guy is winning. Brooks hasn't won a major championship, which he, he has said that's all he cares about. He hasn't won one in, in two years now. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau was in the mix to win a U.S. Open for the second straight year and then went in full meltdown mode and then decided to go into excuse mode and then embarrassingly said, oh, I won it last year, so this one doesn't really matter. Like, again, a high schooler. Uh, so both guys grow up. They just grow up, and the media, you mean to tell me you can't search and find good stories on tour and break down other aspects of golf without continuing to try to feed the uh, the rumor mill and uh, the gossip girl aspect of Bryson DeChambeau versus Brooks Kepka? Come on. Uh, let's all get professional here because this has completely dissipated. It's no longer fun. It's no longer interesting. Uh, give me those two in contention on a Sunday, uh, and then I'll start caring about this DeChambeau and Brooks Kepko rivalry again. That'll do it for us on this Saturday morning here on Honda Classic Live. So glad that you hung out with us. We'll do it again next Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Joe Rigotti, the man in charge, making sure everything goes smoothly. Huge thank you to him, and of course, our Golf Insider Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com. I'm Ken Levick. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Try and dodge the raindrops and enjoy the rest of the travelers. We'll focus on it next week on Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. Goodbye, everybody.